You know, when, when Beck usually preaches, she usually starts off by giving a, a disclaimer about what she's going to talk about. I'm taking a leaf out of Beck's book today. Um, sometimes there's stuff that we need to hear, but not necessarily want to hear. Um, and, and this morning's a bit like that. Um, but I, I reckon, I, I honestly believe that, that if we are honest, if we today would acknowledge where we're really at um, personally, um, and where we really want to be, that, that the place that we, we find ourselves isn't necessarily where we have to stay. But, but if we could acknowledge that today, then perhaps today could be a real landmark moment in your life and in your journey with God. When, when, Beck, uh, when Beck and I um, felt God lead us to come to Armadale three years ago, we, we felt that God said to us that he wants us to lead a church. Notice I said lead a church, not build a church. Uh, we don't do the building. God does. That's his promise. I will build my church, says the Lord. So we're not building the church, but we're leading a church. And we believe that God called us to lead a church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. And that's, that's been our heart since we've been here, to be a passionate, a real, a relevant, a, a Christ-centered church that exists for threefolds, to uplift the name of Jesus, to point people to him, and to see lives transformed through God. Love God, love people, love life. That is our, our vision, that is our mission, that is our purpose here. And so this morning I want to talk into that last part about seeing lives transformed by God and through God. See, I truly believe that the transforming power of God is available to everyone, but it's up to us to position ourselves in the right place for God to speak into our lives and to move powerfully in our lives. And so this morning I want to start off with a passage found in Matthew, and it says this, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. Now let me give you a bit of context to this passage of Scripture. So Jesus has has been baptized in water by John the Baptist, and he's performed a few miracles. He's turned the water into wine at the the wedding at Canaan, and he's performed a couple of healings in Galilee. And now he's starting to ask people to come and follow him, to be a part of his group as he journeys around. And so he's called Peter and his brother um, Andrew and uh, told them that he was going to make them fishers of men. And so they dropped their nets at the lakeside, and they followed after Jesus. Same thing with James and John. He said to them, um, come and follow me. And so they left their father in the boat and they chose to follow Jesus. Matthew, the tax collector, he also said, yes, uh, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And so Jesus is going around and he's calling these different people from different backgrounds to come and follow him. And because his fame is starting to grow, because the, 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 the word is spreading about this man called Jesus who was doing amazing things, There are crowds of onlookers who are starting to now gather wherever Jesus goes. There are hundreds, possibly thousands of people who who come along to see this man called Jesus and and to, to witness for themselves these miraculous miracles that he's performing. And so Jesus, who's right at the start of his ministry realizes that he can't communicate what he wants to communicate to the entire crowd. And so he decides to go a little bit higher, decides to go up this mountainside to put in a little bit of effort. And for those who are willing to take the climb with him, to those individuals, he's going to impart something to them. He's going to give to the, his climbing companions more of himself than what he can give to the entire crowd. 
And so he puts out the call and he says, I'm going up the mountainside. But it says that only those who were apprenticed to him, only the committed, there was, there was a smaller percentage of those who had gathered together to hear him and watch him, only a smaller amount of them chose to follow him up the mountainside. And so we've got three pods of people. We've got the crowd, and then we've got a smaller group of people, and then we've got an even smaller group. And we're going to discuss those three groups today, because for every single person here today, we can place ourselves in one of those pods of people. Perhaps you've come along today and you're just visiting or or you've come a couple of times to check out what ACC is all about and maybe you've heard about us, maybe a friend has invited you along, but you're just simply here to to check it out, to to have a look. And that is exactly what's happening in the story, that a lot of people around were simply checking out Jesus, checking out what was going on. They they were drawn to this crowd, this, this gathering was happening. They wanted to have a look, but they were simply there to check it out. But Jesus has something bigger and greater that he wanted the people to be involved in. But it meant climbing higher and meant for Jesus seeing who was willing to take that climb and to go on that journey with him. And so this morning I want to ask you two questions. The first question is firstly, where are you at? Where are you at? We're going to look at these three groups of people and, and, and honestly I want you to think, am I here? Or am I here, or am I here? And be honest with yourself, whereabouts you find yourself? So I want to ask firstly, where are you at today? And secondly, where do you want to be? There's a big difference. (laughs) I found that along my journey. There's a big difference of where I find myself and where I actually want to be. But I want to encourage you today that you don't have to be, and you don't have to stay in the seats, in the place that you find yourself. You don't have to stay there. there there's, it's not mandatory for you to remain in the group that you find yourself in today. Because if you want to change, you can. But here's the thing. The choice is yours. The choice is completely yours. So a few months ago, uh, I took my son to the doctor, and she needed to have a look in his ears and, and do all that kind of stuff. And I was sitting in the chair next to the doctor's desk, and so I got up, and so... My son went and, and she was looking at his ears and doing all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm standing there and, and in the corner of the, the doctor's room, I noticed this kind of flat contraption in the corner. Now, we don't have one of these devices at our home. It's not allowed to be in our house. It's called a scale. Because what I've found is that sometimes it's better not to know certain things. To be in denial. It's easy to say, I'm good. I'm okay. There is no issue at all. I'm sure I'm the same weight as I was when I was in high school. I don't need to know. I'm in denial. And so I'm there, and for some reason, I get on this scale, and it lied. (laughs) It lied to me. The devil is a liar. I'm thinking somebody needs to recalibrate this machine. This is not right. I did not know that I had lead in my shoes. This is not correct. But how many of you know that the scale was telling the truth? That I did, in fact, weigh the kilograms that were displayed on the little screen. See, what it revealed to me was the truth. And the truth is, I really love food. (laughs) It it revealed to me the the, the harsh reality that I love food more than I like exercise. It, It was there in front of me. The numbers were there. I cannot deny it anymore. The evidence is right there in front of me. No longer can I be in denial. No longer can I say it's really not that bad. 
It really is that bad, people. It really is that bad. I'm sucking it in right now. Please don't judge. Don't look. Let's just focus. You see, sometimes we need a gauge to tell us what's really going on. And this morning, I get to be that gauge for you, which is great. <laughs> I, want, I want you to be able to look at where you're at and, and to just be honest. For the next 20, 25 minutes, can we be honest and, and really look at ourselves and say, well, where am I at? And where do I want to be? No one's going to be mad at you. Nobody's going to point a finger at you and blame you. But you're going to be able to look and know where you're really at. And, and then you can say with clarity, do I like where I am? Or do I actually want to move from here? So let's get honest. This morning, let's get honest. Let's not fake it. You, nothing is going to, you're not going to fix it by faking it. Let's just be honest and have a look where we are. And so the first one, this first chair, this first group of people that we find is the crowd. Now, everybody starts off in the crowd. Peter started in the crowd. Paul started off in the crowd. Mother Teresa started off in the crowd. This is where everyone starts. Everybody starts here in the crowd. Because every single one of us have had to come to a stage where we choose to go and see Jesus, to have a look, to investigate for ourselves what is going on, what, who is this Jesus, and what is he all about. We, we all have this moment where we want to explore Christianity and this person called Jesus. And so this chair can also be called the onlooker's chair or, or the, the chair of people checking things out. I sat in this chair for about three years in a church in Johannesburg in South Africa. My mum and my brother were a part of the church and they invited me along. I really enjoyed the, um, the music. I really enjoyed the people. They, they, they welcomed me. It was great. But, but if I was honest, for those three years, I was simply checking it out. I was just having a look. See, from this chair... You're close enough to see Jesus, but you're not close enough to know him yet. Here, you're, you're in proximity of Jesus. You can, you can tell what he's doing, but you, you're around him, but you don't know him yet. You don't know his heart yet. Have you ever had somebody who says, oh, I, I, I met so-and-so, I know them. No, you don't know them if you just meet them. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know Donald Trump. I know Prince Harry. I, I know Bear Grylls. No, no, you don't. You've just seen them do something or you've heard them speak or you've been witness to something that they've done, but that doesn't mean that you know them. See, from here you know what Jesus said, but you don't know why he said it. You can quote it, but you don't have a revelation of it. You can hear it, but you don't have the context from where it comes from. Matthew 15, 8 describes these people like this. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And this was the crowd. This is the curious people who, who, who want to investigate. They want to see. They're, they're curious about Jesus. And so they come along, but he doesn't have their heart yet because they're still looking. They're still checking him out. It's from this seat that we hear Jesus inviting you up the mountainside. And we assume that, it, that, that an invitation is for somebody else, that it's not for us. Because we're still checking this all out. We, we, we don't yet fully trust Jesus, and so we don't want to go on that journey, or we think that in some way we're disqualified from that invitation, that it's only for a certain group of people. And so we're happy to watch from our seats in the crowd. No, no, because if I go up the mountain, if I go there, I'm going to become one of those people. Don't want to become one of those people. 
But the problem is we say that without understanding the context of what life is like when we are devoted to Christ Jesus and when we give our hearts and our lives to him. And so we make assumptions of what it's going to be like if we had to go up the mountain. And so to just be safe, we sit in the chair of the crowd and we just watch from a distance. In this seat, we use all the excuses that we can. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too busy, I've done too much bad, I'm not good enough, this is not my thing. And we exclude ourselves from the opportunity of getting involved. I don't know if you've ever um, been to Sydney or or Melbourne and you walk along the street and there's one of those street performers and there's the crowd that gathers and and you're curious, you go along and you want to see, oh, he's blowing fire or he's juggling, whatever, oh, that's interesting. But as soon as the call goes out, hey, can I get a volunteer? What do we do? (laughs) Or we start walking off. And that's what the crowd is like. They're they're intrigued. They want to know a bit more. But when the call goes out, it's not for them. They don't want to get involved. It's almost like from this seat, God has prepared the most amazing meal. And you can smell it, but you can't eat it. Our next door neighbors make the most incredible barbecues. They are amazing. Uh, the, the, the smell wafts over the fence and, and, and it's just like our toasted cheese sandwiches just do not compare to what smell comes from their backyard. I'm outside, I'm making noise, hoping for an invite because the smell is just so good. But that's what it's like when we sit in this seat because we're on the other side of the fence and we get the aroma of it, but we don't, never get to taste it. Or it's like when you're trying to be healthy and somebody cooks a, a batch of chocolate brownies. Come on, we've all been there. No, 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 I don't want to eat it, but bring it here. To, I just want to, I just want to smell it. I'm, I'm trying to be good, but I just want to smell it. And we do that when we come to church, when we're sitting in the seats. I, I, I just want to smell it. I just, just want to get a, a touch of it. Uh, that song makes me feel so good. I, I like being around these group of people because they, they encourage me and I feel uplifted. And we get the smell, we get a, 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 just a sample of it, but we never taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't get to taste and see that the Lord is good because we're around it, but we're not in it. We've heard that God is good, but we've never experienced His goodness when we've walked through the journey with Him. Like I said, though, there is nothing at all wrong with being in this seat. We all start in this seat. And if, this is, if you were honest and you said, this is the seat that I'm in today, that is fine. That is great. And we are determined to have a church that is welcoming for people who are still exploring, who are still checking it out, who are, who, who are take, looking into stepping into this journey. And, and you're welcome to, to be here and to check it all out. But I just want to encourage you that if we stay in this chair, we run the risk of having a distorted view of God. Because in this chair, we see God, but we don't know God. And it's easy in that place to make a false assumption about who God is, what He does, and why He does it. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to judge somebody that you don't know? It's so easy to judge somebody that you have no idea about. It's easy to judge a drug addict until one of your family members becomes one. It's easy to judge a gay person until you know one. And it's easy to judge God and the way that God works until you get to know Him. So there's the crowd. There's this place where we all start, where we see Jesus, but we don't really know Him yet. It's a place where we we all start from. It's a place of, of being comfortable to watch, but not to do. And then we've got the second chair. And that's the called. 
This is for people who, who have seen enough to no longer want to be just an onlooker, but they want to actually start a journey with Jesus. These are people who have, have heard the call of Jesus saying, come follow me, and they have responded, and they have decided to follow Jesus. They've accepted the call, and they're willing to take a journey with Jesus. And can I say for any church, this is where a large percentage of church members would find themselves in this seat. It's a place where you've moved from just watching Jesus, but now you're actually getting to know the personhood of Jesus and who he is. It's a place where Jesus has your heart. It's a place where you've actually said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Now, you know I love you, right? <laughs> you know I want the best for you. You know I say things not to offend you, but to encourage you. You know, you know that, right? Some of you are not sure. <laughs> you're going, I don't. If, if you're in the crowd, this is the time where you grab the popcorn, because, um, no. <laughs> you see, there's some dangers about sitting in this chair, though. See, in this chair, Jesus has your heart. You love Jesus. But the question is, does he have your life? He has your heart, but does he have your life? We love the benefits of the seat, but we dislike the discipline that it demands. Let me say that again. We love the benefits of being in the seat, but we don't really like the discipline that the seat demands when we sit in it. God, I need your favor. God, I need your grace. I, I need your blessing. And the thing is, he does it. He does bless you. He does provide for you. He does restore relationships. He does open doors for you. The, the addiction starts to go away. But now there's this conflict inside of us because we can't just have the benefits without also having his disciplines in our life. See, in this seat, we have enough to change our world, but we're unwilling to do what it takes to change the world around us. See, in this, in this seat over here, you could smell it. You could smell that meal that Jesus provided and made, uh, uh, but you couldn't eat it. In this seat, you get to eat it. You get to taste it. You get to partake of it. God has been good. He's done great things for me. In this seat, you can eat the food, but you're unwilling to cook it for somebody else. I love this. I, 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 I'm so grateful for God for all that he's done, but I need other people to carry on doing it so that I can carry on enjoying it. I love people watching my kids and teaching my kids, but I'm not going to invest in the next generation myself. I love my church. I love all the people doing all the things that they do to make the church that I love to be a part of, but I'm not going to get involved. Can we be honest? Honest with ourselves, not honest with the person next to you. Don't point and say, hey, this is the seat you're in. No, no, let's be honest with ourselves this morning. See, in this seat, we're okay to fix a place at the table for ourselves, but we're unwilling for any fixing to take place inside of us. If we're truly honest, we sit in this seat and we sing a song like, I surrender some. We're willing to surrender a little bit, but that's not the words of the song. It's I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. This is a seat of confliction because you want to go higher. You, you really do. You want to be a climbing companion of Jesus. You want to go up that hillside with him, but, but you're unwilling to take the steps that it takes to do that. You, you, there's something that holds you back. And so there's a confliction that takes place inside of you where you want to do it. You want to grab hold of his promises, but you're pretty happy where you're sitting because you've got really all that you need for yourself in the seat. 
Again, this is not necessarily a bad seat to be in. Please hear me. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody who's in the seat. This is not a bad seat to be in because often this is the seat of progress. This is a seat where you say, okay, God, I'm giving you a small part of me. I'm still growing in my faith. I'm still growing in trusting you wholeheartedly, God. So here's a portion of my life. I want to hand this over to you and, and say, God, have your way in this part of my life. And it's a, it's a seat of progress as we move forward. So it's not necessarily bad, but the problem is that if we stay in this seat long term, we'll never fully become who God intends us to be. We'll never fully become the person and and fulfill the calling that God has set on our lives. See, in this seat, you're better than what you were, but you're not as good as what you could be. Your marriage is a whole lot better than it was, but it's not to the extent that it could be. You're no longer being affected by the culture around you, but you're not making an impact yourself on the culture. God's love flows into your life, but there's no outflow into others. And see, that's the thing about the seat. You no longer just smell it. You can taste it, but you don't yet have the passion to pass it on to others. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1.14. Says, oh, how gracious, uh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst of them all. Praise Jesus. That's where we find ourselves in this seat, where we have we've experienced that. But Paul carries on. He says, but God had mercy on me, so that. Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. This is a great seat because we know Jesus and we know what he has done for us. We have indeed tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He has filled us with faith and with love, but we allow it to stop there with us. We fail to see that we have been saved for somebody else. That the story isn't finished with our salvation, but we just become a part of the salvation story for so many others. And so we hear the call to go higher, but we're happy with where we're at. We're content. We're blessed. We have everything that we need. All of our needs are met. God is doing great things for us. And we allow the focus to be on us instead of what's on God's heart. And that is that all may be saved and come to a knowledge of Christ Jesus. The seat of the called. The last seat is the committed seat. This is a seat that the disciples would have found themselves, those climbing companions of Jesus. This is where they would have found themselves. These are people who gave up everything they had to sit in this seat. You read the story of the disciples and they gave up everything. They, gave, they left homes, they left families, they left um, possessions and jobs to, to sit in this seat. But the truth is, this is the best seat in the house. There is no seat better than this one right here. This seat is the most fulfilling, the most rewarding. This is the most satisfying seat. This is the most purposeful seat. This is the blessed seat. This is the best seat in the house. I'm telling you because I've sat in all the other seats, but this is the seat that you want to sit in. This is the greatest seat that there is because it's in this seat that we step into the very purpose that we were called for, 
This is the seat where we, we discover the very reason that God breathed life into us, where we fulfill the call that God gave to us there, but we step into it when we sit in this seat here. In this seat, nothing in our lives is off limit to God. Not our time, not our attitude, not our relationships, not our money, not our words, not our patterns or our habits. We lay everything down and we say, God, have all of me. And if there is anything in me that needs changing, God, change it. I remember the first time that I moved into this seat. I'd been happily sitting in the cold seat for a couple of years. And I remember suddenly having a realization that God loved everyone and not just me. I mean, that's a bit of a reality check. And I asked God, I said, God, would you give me a heart like yours for the people who don't know you yet? And that is a dangerous prayer to pray. (laughs) The next day I went to school and suddenly I saw my best friend through completely different eyes. He was this mate of mine who we had done so much together and we we had a great relationship and a great friendship. But I, I, I looked at him and I knew that unless he acknowledged Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Unless he came to uh, a salvation faith in Christ Jesus, he was going to a lost eternity. And it broke my heart. And it shifted my focus. My, My focus shifted from, God, I'm so grateful for all that you've done for me, to God, use me to reach my best mate. God, use me in any way possible. I don't know how many times I walked home from school in the next year or so, believing that one day my friend would come to know Jesus. But I made a commitment to the cause. And that commitment required action. I left a lot of things in my life for that commitment to be a reality. I left time. I would pray day and night for him. I left my my comfort zone. I left my pride. I left the things that I wanted to do in order to be around him so that I could shine a bit of God's love onto his life. I I left a lot of things for that to become a reality and to see that happen. And that moment that he, after coming to church for a while and being over there in the crowd, that moment that he raised his hand and received salvation, this is the best seat in the house. Because we get to be a part of what God is doing. We get to truly be his hands and his feet. We get to display the love of Christ. You see, the committed were the ones who saw Jesus making his way up the hillside. And they said, I'm laying down everything of myself to follow him. And I'm going to choose to be a climbing companion of Jesus. And you read the rest of the story, it's amazing. When they get to the top of the hill, Jesus then teaches these, these few climbing companions and he teaches them the Beatitudes. And he begins to teach them this, these godly principles that went against common culture, things that were contrary to their worldly understanding, things like blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure at heart, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But then it was to these committed people that Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. It was to these guys, these ones who, who, who looked beyond themselves, who chose to lay down their lives to follow Christ, that, that God made these incredible promises and he declared to them that you are going to shine in dark places. You are going to influence people because you've chosen to look at something more than just yourself. See, in this seat, not only do we see Jesus, but we know Jesus and we are used by Jesus in incredible ways. 
Not only do we give Him our heart, but we also give Him our lives. This is a seat where we hear and obey. This seat knows that their life has been changed to be a witness to see the change in somebody else's life. And so this chair, they serve, they volunteer, they get involved, they give of themselves, not to be seen, not to draw attention to themselves, but to make Jesus seen. Their lives are purposeful, their journey is rewarding, their days are fulfilling because they're committed to where God positions and places them. Paul says it like this in Acts 20, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, Paul says, I, I, I could easily be back in the crowd over there. I could be doing my own thing and just checking out what Jesus is doing from a distance and seeing what he does in other people's lives. Or I could be over there in the cold and I could be enjoying the blessing and the favor of God in my life. But I've made a choice to move to this committed seat, to give my everything for the one who gave it all. And so in doing that, find myself in the best seat in the house of being used by God and being purposeful in all that I do. You see, God won't force you to go up the mountainside. God won't drag you kicking and screaming up the hillside. But the invitation is there and he encourages you, come on, come on up the hill, come on up the mountainside with me. I've got so much more for you. Yes, you've experienced my blessing, but I've got so much more for you up on this hillside where I impart something special to you, where you look beyond yourself to how you can be used by me to influence lives and to be a part of this incredible story. But just like the other two seats, there is a danger of sitting in this seat too. There are many Christians who have, who have sat in this seat, but then they've relaxed and taken it easy. And they've become critical and judgmental, become very resistant and hesitant to change. And their passion that was once pointed for people is now pointed at people in judgment and criticism. You see, the committed don't stop just on that mountainside. They continue to follow Jesus. They follow him onto a boat to cross a sea where the storms rage. They follow him into towns where the hurt and the sick and the lost and the leper and the, the lame are. They follow him onto a hillside where they get to be the hands that hand out this miracle lunch of fish and bread to thousands and see the miraculous provision of God outworked through their own hands. They follow Jesus to serve on a Sunday to those who are still in the crowd, still checking out Jesus. They follow him into, to be light in dark places. They follow him as they invite friends. They follow him as they love their community, as they love their neighbors. They follow him as they get involved. They follow him, just as Paul said, that they would be used as a prime example of his great patience to even the worst sinners. And so they serve. And so they get involved. Because even in this seat, there is still higher to go. There is still further to go. There is still more for us to do. There is still greater things in store. So honestly today, where are you at? Where, where, where do you find yourself? Perhaps you thought you were here, but really you're here. 
Honestly, where, where are you at? Perhaps, perhaps you used to be here, but you've realized that you've taken it easy, that you've used the excuse that, oh, it's a new season, I've, I've done my part, and so you're actually now over here, not, not involved anymore. Can I say, God is not done with you yet. There is still more for you to do, regardless of how long you've been serving what you've done in the past. There is still more for you to do. If you're breathing, if you have breath in your lungs, God is not done yet with you. There is still stuff for you to do. There are still lives for you to impact. There is still change for you to bring. Parents, let me say to you, the greatest legacy that you can give your children is not how you saw Jesus do amazing things. Not even how God did amazing things in your life. The greatest legacy that you can give your children is how God is still using you to do amazing things and to be a blessing to people. So where are you at? And where do you want to be? If you like the seat that you're in, if you're honest and you know where you're sitting and you like that seat, that's, that's fine. There is absolutely no pressure for you to move. As a church, we have determined to be a church that is for everyone, a place where those who are checking it out still feel welcome and they, they, they feel accepted to be a part of it. But we also are determined to be a place where people can enjoy the presence of God and good teaching and great fellowship, the whole thing. That's what we want to have as a church. But I want to encourage you that if you're just smelling the food, can I tell you, it tastes a whole lot better than it smells. And if you're eating and if you're enjoying the food, I want to tell you that it's so much better when you can hand that food to other people. Because it's then that you're not depending on me or this church or the service to give you what you want, but you're going straight to God and you're receiving it straight from Him and He's passing on to you the, 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 the wherewithal and how to give it to other people. And in that seat, you find incredible purpose and incredible fulfillment. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours if you want to stay or if you want to move. Every head bowed and, bowed and eyes closed as we finish off this morning. I just really just want to take a moment just for you to reflect about where you find yourself. As I said, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, there's no finger pointing. It is, it is only you who, who needs to know whereabouts you're at. But just take a moment and ask yourself honestly, where am I? Am I in the crowd? Am I, am I seeing what God is doing? Am I just checking out everything that's going on? Are you in the call where you, you've, you've heard the call and you've responded? You said, God, I, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, but it stopped at you. And can I say, the church needs to be a hospital sometimes where the people who are called come and they receive from God. And they're filled up again by God. But perhaps this morning, God is calling you to the committed seat. Perhaps this is a moment where you can see Jesus making his way up the hillside. And you have a choice whether to stay with the crowd and stay with the called. Or if you're determined to be committed to be a climbing companion of Jesus. To make your way up the mountain. 
where Jesus teaches you and reveals to you amazing things. And he equips you and he releases you to do his work. And in so doing, fulfilling the very calling on your life, the very reason that he created you. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good deeds that he prepared in advance for us. Lord God, I pray for those that have got honest today and for those who have seen where they're sitting. And God, for those who have seen where they are and they don't want to be there anymore, Lord God, I pray for your strength to make the move. God, would you give them the desire to keep climbing? Lord God, would you give them your heart? Would you give them eyes to see the way that you see? Lord God, for those who are in the cold seat and who want to move into the committed, Lord God, I just pray that there would be a welling up inside of them to look beyond just themselves, to be thankful and grateful for all that you have done in and through their lives, but Lord, to know that they are called for so much more, that they would be a prime example for others to point the way to Christ Jesus. Lord God, for those who find themselves in the crowd but have today heard a call to follow Jesus, Lord God, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to make that decision to move seats. If that is you, I want to encourage you, you don't have to follow the the two steps. If you're in the crowd, you can jump straight to the committed. You can jump straight into this prime seat, the best seat in the house where God both blesses you but then creates you to be a blessing to others. Where you step right into all that God has for you, the great calling that He has, the purpose that He has assigned for your life. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we're all on a journey that we all find ourselves at different places with different struggles but Lord with different decisions for us to make and in this moment Lord God I just pray that we'd be honest with you give us the courage Lord God give us the wisdom Lord Jesus to know what to do next Thank you.